The ABC's word wizard, the Lord of Language. A word in your ear, with Professor Raleigh Sussex. So, what do you reckon? Is Nicole Kidman an actor? Or actress is the woman who serves you food and drink in a restaurant a waiter or waitress? You can call now on one three hundred triple two six twelve. That's one three hundred triple two six twelve. If you've got answers to those questions, because it is that time of the day when the ABC's word wizard Rolly Sussex OAM, emeritus professor from the School of Languages and Cultures at the University of Queensland, joins you to talk with you about words, language, and linguistics. One three hundred triple two six twelve is the number you can call. That's one three hundred triple two. Six twelve, Rolling, good afternoon. Gender-specific nouns. Flight attendants, not stewards or stewardesses. Surely that's uh, just an example of, of how language grows and evolves over time. It's growing and evolving faster now than it has for quite a while. And uh, there are very, very strong social influences actually changing the words we use. Uh, today's program, by the way, was brought on by soccer. Uh, which a lot of people insist on calling football. And there's a bit of a fight about that, but that's another another issue. Because the uh, in Australia, they've decided to set up something called the A-League. And the A-League will have three sections, A-League men, A-League women, and A-League youth. And that's actually a very important moment, because in the other big sports, you actually have to add something to identify the fact that it's a woman's sport. So women's cricket. Right? Cricket, by default, is a man's game. If it's women, you have to say women's cricket. And uh, in the various footballs, you've got AFL and AFLW for the women and NRL for league and NRLW for the women. So that you've got to add something to mark the thing as being a women's sport. Why? And well, it's just tradition because, you know, in the past it was men who played footy. And, uh, Women now didn't really have the uh, chance to play, though, really, did they? Well, they do now, and mm. boy, are they, they good at it too. There are some phenomenally beautiful players, you know, just exercising the skills of the game in a way which is lovely to see. So one other thing that happened this last week too, the Marylebone Cricket Club. Now, this is as august as you get. In, in London, has declared that the word batsman is history and we're now going over to batter. In other words, to, to capture the fact that some players, when batting, will be female and some will be male, we want a neutral word. And batter, I think, probably comes from baseball uh, or possibly softball. Uh, it's one of those, uh, one of those uh, other sports. But if cricket is actually made this move, then I think we're, we're actually heading towards a more neutral type of language about sports where the women's game is not simply a, a sort of an add-on thing with a special bit, but is part of the, the central activity. And that's important in itself. By the way, I only know of one word in English where the male one has a little suffix to mark it as different, mm -hmm. and that word is widower. Hmm. Widow is a woman. All right. Now, women tend to marry older men. And no, this is just a, a, a historical fact. Men die younger than women, which is also a fact. So there are a lot more widows than there are widowers. And so the special one, I'm a widower, um, the special widower is, is marked by the, the 
the presence of the ER on the end. But isn't it interesting that that's the only one I know? Well, I guess, and I suppose marital stasis for women in so many ways has been um, quite a different and very significant thing compared to men yes. who tended to have property rights and yep. consider progenitor and so on. Okay, very interesting. Right. Uh, so- 20 minutes past two. You're on ABC Brisbane and Queensland. Professor Rolly Sussex is with you and we'll take your calls in a moment. Rolly's keen to talk with you about gendered pronouns uh, off the back of the story you've probably heard about and Rolly just mentioned, the uh, move to a new way of describing soccer in Australia. Uh, Rolly... When did this sort of this shift really start to to take hold? Probably about the seventies, um, after the assassination of Martin Luther King in America, uh, people became aware that they were addressing black people in ways which were not respectful, and so there's a whole block of language there, and it was true of Australia as well, the way we used to talk about and talk to Indigenous people, which was not respectful or in the sort of thing which you would like to see from uh, from an inclusive society and from from race and ethnicity it moved on to gender and uh, there is now a very strong movement uh, one part of which is the woke movement uh, which is uh, i think raising our awareness of the fact that there are lots of words in english which uh, make it still a somewhat biased language against women we're getting better a lot of the old bad words um, have gone or are no longer used. But, for example, there's, there's a, a big battle about the word nag. Uh, do men nag? Um, and many men I've asked this question, I'll say, of course not. And many women I've asked say, of course they do. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's, it, it's a sort of word which has been in the past been associated with women. And, again, if you call someone a witch, now that's not nice and I wouldn't do it and it's falling out of use, terrific. What's the male equivalent? Warlock. If you call a man a warlock, it, it's not particularly critical. It doesn't mean anything. You'd probably be surprised. So the English is still growing up. It's got a long way to go, but we are, I think, making a lot of progress compared to where we were a generation ago. My five-year-old asked me the other day whether I was a miss, missus or missus ah. and why daddy was just a mister. Yes. Or for that matter, an MX, however you pronounce that. Um, MX has been introduced to neutralise the difference between Ms, which we created to get rid of the problem of Mrs and Miss, so Ms and Mr, because one is an S and one is an R. And if you want a way to refer to someone which is gender neutral, in algebra, what is the missing value? X. Right? So MX is what they're starting to write, but no one quite knows how to pronounce it. It's a bit strange. It's interesting when you consider this against... Um well, if you consider English and its gendered uh, pronouns against uh, what you hear and read and see in some of the Romance languages, I'm thinking yes. about Italian. I mean, the, mm. they have gendered uh, nouns. They do. So a beer it, is a feminine thing. Um, mm-hmm. A wine is a masculine thing. Mm-hmm. So how come that doesn't happen in, in English? English had it. Uh, like, well, the Latin and, sorry, like, Spanish and French and Italian, uh, in their early years when they were emerging from Latin, they had three genders too, masculine, feminine and neuter. Uh, And sometimes these were related to what the thing was in the real world. Uh, 
you know, so that a wife would be feminine and a husband would be masculine and so on. Sometimes they weren't at all. Uh, in French, the word for a sentinel is la sentinelle, which is feminine. And yes, almost always, until fairly recently, it's been a male doing the job. So that these were these are problems. And in Spanish, for example, premier ministro is masculine, a prime minister. And when Margaret Thatcher came along, they actually had to fiddle the language to, so that they would accommodate her. And she became la primera ministra. So they, they, you know, the arrival of a, of a woman in the job meant that they had to fix the language. The French at the moment are in all sorts of trouble because the word for a judge is masculine, le juge. And now that there are women starting to be appointed to the judiciary, do you say madame, which is feminine, le, which is masculine, juge, or madame la juge, which is feminine both times? And the, the French Academy is, is still holding out and it's saying the word judge is masculine. But Madame le juge, no, Madame feminine, le masculine, juge mm. for judge. Sounds really very odd. And they're working their way through these things. Um, some of the more conservative parts of society are uncomfortable with it. French, uh, sorry, English gave up gender a long time ago, except in pronouns. And the pronouns like he, she and it are the only ones that are left. Because I is, my, I would say I, you would say I, irrespective of gender. Same with you. And same with they, which is important, because when you've got a pronoun that doesn't refer to, per, to gender, then you can use it without actually implying he or she. Are uh, Asian languages, Japanese, Chinese, gendered in the same way as English or the Romantic languages, Rolling? Nope. Uh, they, they don't have gender of nouns the way, the way we do, which makes life a, a – well, sorry, the way French and, and other languages do um, uh, but they do have other ways of separating out say pronouns I think in Vietnam Vietnamese there are something like 23 different sorts of pronouns for uh, I and you and he she and it and so on and they're not only split by gender they're also split by seniority so if you are the older of two twins the younger twin has to address you with polite pronouns hmm Mm. And then, um, you know, I'm aware of languages in Samoa that have uh, a language around more than just male, female, man, oh, woman, yes. gender. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, and, and you see that in Australia as well, in English, our English, that it's approaching a, a similar outcome, but it's maybe not as... Uh, we're not as accustomed to it as it might be in cultures where it's been an accepted part of well, language cultural organization, kinship, kinship groups, and so on, yeah. Rolly. So what does it say about a society uh, that has a lot of gendered language? Does it? Do you assume then that they place a lot of value on gender differentiation? Um, you'd think that they might, uh, and certainly the move for gender de-differentiation did begin with English. There's, there's no doubt about that at all. Uh, and it's now spreading into European languages. And uh, languages like, say, Swedish are, are accommodating very nicely. They had a word for he and they had a word for she, and they wanted a neutral one, so they created a brand new word and everybody's taken it up and is using it, um, which is a, a very nice way of the... the if you like, a whole country falling in behind the language and saying, this is something which we want to do and let's do it together. But I've, for someone like me, mm. I, I was brought up a long time ago um, that I should show respect for ladies, I should let them go through first through doors, I should help them get seated, help them on with, cats, uh, with their coats and things. I have been quite severely criticised when offering this courtesy to, to some women who, who think that it's actually demeaning, whereas I meant it in an entirely... Um, 
respectful and in, in some cases almost automatic ways, the way you behave. Do you think Australia is falling into line or I think as, as you put it, um, with the, the change underway in, in regards to gendered language in this country? I mean, compared to, uh, was it Sweden where you said? Yes. Switzerland? Yeah. yeah. Oh, or are we getting, resisting we're it? There. We're getting there. And uh, using they as a singular is actually quite neat because if you're not going to say they, then you have to say e, he or she. You know, if a student is late, then he or she will include a penalty for his or her um, exercise when they hand it in. And this is very clunky. Whereas Shakespeare used they in the singular, and if he did, then the rest of us can as well. And it's probably very nice to be able to say they without being forced to commit yourself to either he or she. Sometimes it's better just to be neutral. On ABC Radio, Brisbane and Queensland, you are with Professor Rowley Sussex, the ABC's Lord of Language. My name is Kat Feeney. We're coming to your calls in a moment, but as we've been speaking about uh, gendered pronouns, uh, just a message from Anonymous who writes, mm-hmm. I'm fascinated about the Mr. Mrs. Ms. differentiation, mm-hmm. where women are still expected to change this when they become married or divorced mm-hmm. or widowed, but a man always remains regardless. Mm-hmm. Why is this, Rolly? And apologies, it's not anonymous. It's from Rowena in Springwood. Thank you, Ro- oh, Rowena. Right. Okay. Um, historically, the only differentiation for men was by age. So you were uh, master when you were young and then mister when you grew up and you know, became perhaps a teenager. Um, Esquire used to be used as a term of respect and it's still used by American lawyers to each other. Uh, but other than that, it's just mister. There was always a differentiation and that applies, say, in French with madame who is married and mademoiselle who is not. And, you know, with a woman of a certain age, you didn't know if she was married or not. It was actually quite difficult to know how to address people. Um, now, the, the, the Mrs. Ms. thing in English, we've solved by creating Ms. M.S., uh, pronounced M-I-Z. And that actually took on, I think, fairly, fairly easily. But there, I do have a number of colleagues at the university who don't have titles like doctor, who do prefer to be called Mrs. And I have to remember as a courtesy, if that's the way they want to want to be addressed, then I should do it. But it means that you've got to have an extra little slot in your mind to saying this person wants to be called by that title rather than another one. But I think Ms. has taken off almost universally and most um, educational institutions, government institutions, private institutions have policies about avoiding gendered language. And I think that's good because we are concentrating on the role that people have rather than introducing their gender when it's not really relevant. Let alone their marital status. Ah. Um, Very good. Thank you, Rowena. I hope that addressed your question. We'll take some more of your questions now. Uh, Beginning in, uh, or Stanthorpe, or near Stanthorpe, uh, Dalveen is where Jara is right now. And Jara, thank you for calling. What would you like to know? Uh, Good day. Besides um, the gender thing, there's also the word athlete. So many sportsmen these days are just called you know, really good athletes. Whereas I grew up, an athlete was a person who did athletics. But that's beside the bar. What I was ringing up to find out was about the word to know and KN words. Mm-hmm. And before to know, yes. what did, word did we use? 
Okay, uh, let's have a quick look at athlete first because that's an interesting question. Um, there was, I, I agree with you that that for a long time, athlete was someone who ran or threw things or whatever. Uh, but now uh, it's it's very much more someone who is does a lot of a sport or is very good at a sport. And you know, saying that they're an outstanding athlete means that they have strength, speed, and all of the things which which um, make them outstanding. And that's actually rather nice as well, because athlete is useful. It's not gender specific. And so you don't have the problem of, um, and I, I tell you what, umpire and referee are also good because they're neutral, aren't they? So that they actually mm. offer you a chance of, of talking about people without having to worry about gender. Now, about no, um, the, the word no, it, it used to be uh, knawan in old English, and we're now talking 1,200 years ago. So it had a kn way back then. And gradually over the time, English didn't like having two consonants at the start of the word, and we just leave the first one off. So no just looks as the N, and you, you ignore the K. Um, a bit like gnash your teeth, uh, you know, the GN becomes just N. And we did the same when we borrowed words from Greek, like psychology. We don't say psychology. And the gnome in your garden is not a gnome. Um, and uh, the mnemonic is just a mnemonic. Uh, and uh, in pterodactyl is just pterodactyl. So English is not comfortable with two consonants at the start of a word, and we tend to ignore the first one. All right, all right. There you go. Thank you, Jara. Thank hey, you. Good question. <laughs> Jara and Dalvin near Stanthorpe there. Uh, Marcus is in Tarragindi. G'day, Marcus. G'day, Kat. And hello, Rolly. Hello there. So my question is about uh, the, obviously this big focus on vaccination yep. at, the, at the moment. We hear a lot of people talk about being uh, double vaxxed. But yes. is that incorrect? Is that in the same way as being doubly insured? Uh, should you be maybe had? I've had two doses of the vaccine. Mm -hmm. What's mm -hmm. what sort of the best way to re refer to it? Because one sounds like you've had too much, and the other just describes <laughs> yes, I've, I've does too. Yes, I had my two doses. Yes, all right. Um, is is this double a, ma a matter of excess or just getting up to a norm, as it were? And um, there, there are several interesting things here. Vaccination um, has given us a, a word with two X's, which is unique in English. Um, no, uh, the, uh, the, the uh, double vax is a V. It's written V A X X, which is unusual. Um, but if you're not going to say double vaxed, uh, then you've got a rather longer way around it. You know, had their both both of their vaccinations or whatever and particularly in journalism there's a big price for brevity and if you can find a way of saying this which is clear which people will pick up and which is shorter it often will win out and so that's what happens here and by the way vaccination is a really interesting word uh, because it comes from uh, latin and italian vacca which means a cow and if your vaccination came from the fact that uh, edward jenner who was a physician in england had had spotted that people who were milkmaids didn't get smallpox. And smallpox was a terrible disease that would kill people. It would maim them badly, make them look terrible, make you blind or deaf or whatever. And so he worked out that if you slipped a bit of a, a cowpox scab under the skin of someone, they would become immune to smallpox. 
and so it was from that cow that this this thing began and for a long time it was people thought that he was being absolutely daft uh, but he he was able to prove that this in fact gave people immunity against smallpox and in 1980 smallpox was actually a declared gone from the world. It was one of the great success stories. I don't think we'll do the same with COVID. However, getting back to double vax, uh, it is now very strongly and very much used in the media. And I think the double X form is, it looks a little bit strange, but we've actually got used to it now. And make um, it right, Rolly. Ah, if it's used, <laughs> yeah. if it's used enough by enough people in pre prestigious places, and that includes, uh, you know, the chief medical officer, the premier, people like Cat, uh, then you <laughs> will find other people following. You right. are you are the cre creator of a meme. Okay, well, look, Ms. I mean, Cat accepted. The, the other <laughs> two, I really don't take much. Uh, Weight with their with their grammar skills, so yeah. <laughs> I might just put them to one side. Oh, cat, cat is immaculate. Come on. Oh boy, I am oh, so right. not. <laughs> yeah. it, was the, it was the politicians I was talking about. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Marcus, okay. thank you very much. Uh, Marcus at Tarragini, we'll just keep moving so we can address uh, all of our questions for Rolly this afternoon in the time that we have. Thank you, Marcus. Uh, on ABC Radio Brisbane in Queensland, 20 minutes to three. Uh, my name is Kat Feeney and uh, you are with the real legend, Professor Rolly Sussex, the ABC's Lord of Language, who does have exceptional grammar and command of the English language, and not just the English language either, Oli, many other languages besides. Um, yeah. Let's come to Keitha at Parkinson now, uh, who has a question about an expression that has puzzled me too, Keitha, so I'm glad you've called. What would you like to know? Hello. What is the foundation of dead as a door nail? And for mm -hmm. that matter, what is a door nail? Okay. Um, the... The story about this was told me by Carpenter, and I think he's right, that when you bang a nail through a, a door, say, um, then on the other side you need to bend the end over, otherwise it will stick out and stick into people, or someone could actually knock it back out again. And that was, due, that was to say to make the nail dead, so that uh, when you put a nail into something and you've got a bit sticking out, you bend it over and, and bash it back often into the wood so that it can't be withdrawn, and that's dead as a doornail. And then you take the, the idea about being dead, you know, no longer alive, and apply the, the nail in the door to it. And that's, that, that is the story about dead as a doornail. Whether it's right or not, 100% right, I'm not sure, but I can tell you that a lot of people believe that this is the most plausible answer about how it came about. I'll believe it. Okay, good on you. <laughs> Thank you, Keith. Yeah. Hey, Kat, I've got, I've got a little bit, a few odd, odd bits of gender for you. Okay. We call boats she. Mm. And we have a mother country, whereas Germans have a Vaterland, which is a father country. Mm. That is interesting. Yes, um, I have many thoughts about Lady Luck. This. Lady Luck is yes. not male, all mm. right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. The moon, I think, is probably more female than male, except that, well, in, in Italian, say, it's Luna. In Russian, it is Luna. And in German, it is Diamant. So in Italian, it's feminine, but in, Ge in German, it's masculine, which makes us really sit up and wonder. Mm. Yes, I do do wonder. Gendered language. Mm. I'll give a, you another uh, bit. Yeah, okay. The, the, bits, the female words that are persisting tend to be the ones for hereditary titles and noblesse. So duchess and queen and princess uh, are all persisting. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, 
when you get to something like landlady, what do you do if the person who owns and manages a house is male? Landlord. Landlord. It's slightly different from a landlady, I think. Really? Countess, princess are both, are both, are both, uh, are both female. And you asked about Kate Kidman at the, at the start. Yes, Nicole Kidman, rather. Um, we do have actresses still because there are Emmys and Oscars and things where there is award for a female person and separate awards for the males. Throw them all together. Throw them Absolutely. all in together. Well, Best actor. Listen, listen to Doesn't, matter. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. We'll have an actor male and an actor female, like the A-League. I think I think they say best female actor now, don't they, with the with many of the award shows? I don't with think they use... With many of the award, they do. But then do they say the best male actor? Sometimes, but not always. Oh, okay. It's so inconsistent. And then it's this inconsistent. Is the, and issue. if we're going to be equitable, we ought to do the same thing for both genders. Oh, it does your head in sometimes, uh, trying, to, it does. trying to think yes. about it all. Um, okay. Uh, so we might hear from Susan now on the text line who is asking about the correct way to write a date. For oh. example, <laughs> should 30th September be yes. written numerically as 30 sept or mm-hmm. 30th sept? And she's using the number three and zero here. Yes. Okay. Uh, Susan was taught that the latter, 30th sept, was mm-hmm. incorrect. Mm. No, it's uh, they're both correct and, and widely accepted. And you can, in fact, write 30 September or 30th with a TH September, and even with a superscript TH, which you can do on your computer keyboard, all of those are fine. Um, the Americans tend to be a bit more in favour of September 30. And if you remember uh, the way the date comes up on your computer screen, sometimes it follows our way, which is day, month, year, from the little ones to the bigger ones. And sometimes it does the American way, which is month, day, year. And that really is confusing. And the only way you can really test it is by trying to put in 13. And if it says 13 is no good, then you're dealing with the month slots and you have to go back and think again. But there are there are dozens of date formats. And if you look at Microsoft Excel, you'll find that it'll allow you to do dates in all sorts of ways. The months can be Roman, you know, IV for four. They can be Arabic. Uh, and you can have them in various sorts of orders. The TH, I think, is gradually getting squeezed out because a lot of these little extra features uh, are being rationalized and and are no longer found. Well, thank you, Rolly. That uh, hopefully clears it up for you, Susan. You have been very generous with your time this afternoon, uh, Rolly. I'm realising that it is a quarter to three, so we'd better um, release you from your duties in a moment. It's almost time for your last word on ABC Radio Brisbane and Queensland, but we have quite a... uh, Lengthy text message from Graham, who's listening in Normanton. G'day, Graham. Mm-hmm. I'll do my best to uh, get across the, the fundamental aspects of your message. I'm going to summarise, however, so I'm afraid it won't be verbatim. I'm just wondering, writes Graham, if you can shed any light on the subject of demonyms, many countries that end ah. in A or IA add an N, e.g. Mm. Australia, Australian. Mm-hmm. Others use ish, e.g. Scottish. Some use... For example, Pakistan, E, mm-hmm. I. Others don't follow any patterns. The French, the Dutch, etc. Can you please enlighten Graham on their derivation? Um, if you want the short version or the long version. Um, I think we might have a look at that next week because this is a really good question. Oh, and by great. the way, Graham, do say hi to Normanton. I like Normanton a lot. Um, I've not only been there, I've ridden bikes through it on the way to Corumba and back again. So there. Wow. Um, demonyms are good. And okay. Some, 
the older ones, like French and so on, tend to be, uh, they've been around for, for centuries. Some of the more recent ones, like Afghani and Pakistani, have been taken over from the languages where we borrowed the words from. I'll have a look at that next week, I promise. Splendid. Graham, good on you. Thank you very much. Professor Rawley Sussex joining you every Thursday afternoon. Thursdays are words days here on ABC Radio Brisbane and Queensland. My name is Kat. Professor, your last word, please. From the uh, English, well, comic, critic and writer, Max Beerbohm. Have you ever noticed that all hot water bottles look like Henry VIII? No, I haven't. Well, then look at your hot water bottle and reflect. Oh, oh, right. I see. Because they're fairly sort of singular. Thank you. On your radio and online. At home or on the road. This is ABC Radio.